Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to Wicked, Weird, and Grim, your number one podcast for a trip through the history of the odd, haunting, and mystifying. I'm Ara. And I'm Caroline. Together, we are the Grim Sisters. Today, we're bringing you guys a super spooky paranormal episode. As Caroline would say, today is all about the ghosties. Yes, ghosties. Ghosty woasties. Ghosty woasties. They're the most <laughs> Wow, that's gonna be our new uh, our new jingle. For sure. <laughs> we haven't done a paranormal episode in ages, so we figured we'd dig deep into one of the most wicked and grim paranormal places that we think you guys have probably heard of. But just because you've heard of it doesn't mean there isn't more to the story that we've uncovered. So stick around to hear the haunting tale of what's been called the most terrifying building in America, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Now, first off, you might be asking, what the heck is a sanatorium? Or you might know what it means, but don't necessarily know the meaning behind the word's origins. A sanatorium is more colloquially known as an insane asylum, and believe it or not, both the words sanatorium and insane stem from the same word, sanitary. Sanatoriums were so named for what their original purpose was, a place that was sanitary, which usually meant a healthy climate, typically in the countryside, on top of a high hill, or even up in the mountains, far away from the city air with lots of fresh air, because this was considered a healing environment. And insane, in contrast, was short for insanitary, describing the poor conditions of the patients in such asylums. The terms insane and insane asylum came about after sanatoriums. Essentially, they were derogatory slang that cropped up after the realities of sanatoriums were made public, their conditions being the exact opposite of their purpose. Unsterile, abusive, and in some cases, such as Waverly Hills, deadly. So now that you know the brief history of why these mental health facilities were so named, we can take a deep and dark dive into the wicked, weird, and grim history of Waverly Hills. So Waverly Hills is a former sanatorium located in southwestern Louisville County, Kentucky. The land that Waverly Hills now occupies was originally owned by Major Thomas H. Hayes in 1883. He decided to build a school for his daughters to attend. He also hired a woman named Lizzie Lee Harris to be the teacher for the school. And Lizzie loved Sir Walter Scott's Waverly novel series and so chose to name the schoolhouse Waverly School. And Hayes said that he liked the name so much that he ended up naming his property Waverly Hills. And then the Tuberculosis Hospital Board then commissioned this area as a hospital for tuberculosis patients in 1910. And this was because the Jefferson County area was beset by a horrific outbreak of tuberculosis. And this was in the you know early 1900s. And it was really due to all the wetlands along the Ohio River. And this was really the perfect breeding ground for the tuberculosis bacteria. And if you guys recall, we mentioned the numerous wetlands and watersheds in the general <laughs> area, you know, in our Loveland Frog episode. So yes. maybe right down the river from Waverly Hills was the Loveland Frog. It's all connected. Conspiracy theory time. <laughs> I love our jingles. Me too. They're great. We're we're just fantastic jingle writers. We should just switch to that. We have the mics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Anyways, uh, during this time, tuberculosis was a really serious disease. It was highly contagious and very deadly. People who caught the disease were basically separated from the public and moved to hospitals that could give them some form of treatment. Back then, there was no antibiotic available to treat tuberculosis. So like as we mentioned, treatment often involved providing a calm, peaceful environment with easy access to fresh air. Hence, sanitary sanatoriums. And this would probably be a good time to just mention and discuss what tuberculosis actually is. It's a disease that most of us have probably heard of, and we regularly have to get TB tests, like for college or sports or that kind of thing. But we really don't have to worry about catching it that often. So, you know, what is TB? Tuberculosis, which is also called TB for short, is an infectious disease caused by the bacteria Mycobacterium tuberculosis. It usually affects the lungs, but it has a large range of symptoms. And I also read that it can affect other parts of the body, like other organs, but those instances are like not very contagious. So mm-hmm. you just don't hear about them very often. Yeah, it seems like the lungs is the primary organ that seems to start shutting down. Yeah. So in movies set during the early 1900s, it's very common to see a character have a big coughing fit and then they like cough up blood. And this is one of the really big signs of a TB infection. Despite TB's common association with the early 1900s in the U.S. and Europe, it's actually existed since ancient times, especially in the areas where, you know, the bacteria thrive, like the wetlands we mentioned. Yeah. A lot of people who contract TB never actually show any symptoms, like they never get sick. This asymptomatic form of disease is called latent tuberculosis. About 10% of these cases progress into an active form, and around 50% of those who don't receive treatment for an active case of TB will die. And like we kind of mentioned, the most common symptoms are a chronic cough with blood-containing mucus, fever, night sweats, and extreme weight loss. Historically, TB was called consumption because patients experienced like sense bleh, because patients experienced such extreme weight loss. And a lot of the art from the time depicting consumption is really interesting and gothic because it. Yeah. A lot of the times depicts, you know, the patients being consumed by death and death is getting mm-hmm. like bigger and bigger and more gluttonous almost. So it's a really yeah. interesting way that they conceptualized uh, tuberculosis back then. TB is extremely contagious and it's an airborne disease. So this means that it spreads when someone who has active TB in their lungs coughs, spits, speaks, sneezes. According to the CDC, it cannot be spread through shaking someone's hand, sharing food or drink, touching bed linens or toilet seats, sharing toothbrushes or kissing. Um, So it really does have to be like somebody has coughed on you or something like that. Why would sharing food or drink not? Yeah, I know. I don't really understand that. But I mean, that's like directly what the CDC website said. So I was like, Hmm. oh, that maybe it's something about like inhalation of it. So like if you're I think so. I wonder maybe if if like kissing, would you not inhale? Exactly. (laughs) But I wonder maybe if it has to go through the nose. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. Hmm. On the plus side, if you have a latent form of TB, you cannot spread it to others. So that's a good thing. The very small bright (laughs) side to this disease. (laughs) The only good thing. The only only good good thing. thing. 
Today, active cases are uncommon in the Western world. This is primarily due to the development and availability of a vaccine and multiple antibiotics that can treat TB. That said, TB has not been eradicated here because people with extremely compromised immune systems, particularly HIV and AIDS patients, often contract tuberculosis. And also those who don't receive the vaccine are more likely to contract tuberculosis as well. Yeah. Please get vaccinated, people. Get your vaccines. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I've been on this soapbox before, but we have. I'm just saying. In 2020, approximately 10 million people around the world developed active tuberculosis. This resulted in 1.5 million deaths. In 2020, it was the second leading cause of death worldwide behind COVID-19. And it's most common in Southeast Asia, but it's also fairly prevalent in Africa and the Western Pacific region. 50% of cases are found in just eight countries, and those countries are India, China, Indonesia, the Philippines, Pakistan, Nigeria, and Bangladesh. Also, one last thing before we get back to Waverly Hills. Today, tuberculosis is treated with a variety of antibiotics, which over a long period of time have effect. Antibiotic resistance is becoming a major problem in Western countries as well as across the world, as there are increasing rates of drug-resistant tuberculosis. Just a PSA, antibiotic resistance is not just an issue in treating tuberculosis. It's becoming a much more widespread general problem. In part, this is caused by people taking an antibiotic, getting better, and then failing to finish the antibiotic prescribed to them. In other words, don't stop taking your antibiotics just because you feel better. You have to finish the whole prescription. Yes, it's very true. But then again, part of the problem with antibiotic resistance is that doctors overprescribe antibiotics now. That too. Everything is prescribed for an antibiotic. And it's like, yeah. "Hmm." You know, if you're somebody who. If you have a lot of health issues, you're going to be getting prescribed something like that a lot. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, could potentially really harm you in the long run. Yep. (laughs) Back to Waverly Hills, though. Back to the actual topic of Back to the people who don't have good doctors. Yes. And well, I mean, it's not that they didn't have good doctors. It's just that their doctors didn't know anything. That's true. Which isn't their fault. But in some cases, they didn't have good doctors. Inevitably, yeah. To be yeah. fair, they're also overworked and undercompensated. But exactly. what else is new in American healthcare? <laughs> yeah, so back to Waverly Hills. The outbreak of tuberculosis in this region of Kentucky was so bad that it became known as the White Plague. And to try to mitigate the spread of the disease, construction of a new hospital was necessary to keep patients quarantined and away from other negative patients. We really do know that struggle pretty well because of COVID. We have all lived through a pandemic. So, you know, we know what that's like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just imagine going back in time to when they figured out about tuberculosis and people being like, no, we're not going to wear masks and be separate (laughs) from people. It's a violation (laughs) of our civil rights. And everyone else being like, what the crap? (laughs) Like, excuse me? It reminds me of the people in like early tuberculosis days who a lot of times it was in like rural communities, but you've probably heard of this. It sounds like something you would have heard of. It would like start taking over whole families. Multiple family members would have died from tuberculosis. And, you know, these people like, you know, they weren't educated or anything. Like They didn't know. And they would have called the doctor, but there was nothing the doctors could do. And so eventually they would start, 
going back to like folk remedies and things like that. And the next thing you know, they're like, it's vampires. <laughs> I mean, that's again, that follows into the to the quote unquote consumption. Like exactly. It was definitely related to death preying on them or mm-hmm. also death is often portrayed as a vampire because he yeah. takes life. He sucks life. He's like what sucking is, life out of you. What is life? Blood. So Exactly. Um, especially with you coughing up blood and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's really, that really gives interesting. people the impression that you're not bleeding inside your eating blood or whatever. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like the folklore side of illness or medicinal treatments. Yeah. Again, that's kind of I what I'm studying so. for my master's, but <laughs> I'm so excited yeah. for that. Anyways. <laughs> I can't wait to hear more about it. You will. You will be proofreading my papers, I'm sure. Because <laughs> uh, my parents will be like, I understand absolutely zero of this. And I'll be like, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll be like, I understood 50% of it. <laughs> and then I'll be like, that's good enough for me. I'll turn that's it That's good. That's fine. <laughs> so back to Waverly Hills again. Again. Um, <laughs> The hospital was actually originally constructed out of wood and was made with two stories. The entire hospital consisted of an administrative building that kind of acted as the main hub. And then there was two open air pavilions that housed 20 patients each. And this hospital was really made to care for early outbreak cases of tuberculosis. But basically, the outbreak just got to a point that the hospital was way overcrowded I think it originally was able to house like 50 patients or so, but eventually they had over like well over 100, so many people crammed in there, which is definitely not good. And so following this, another hospital had to be constructed, and it was also constructed to deal with more advanced cases of the disease. According to paperwork on the funding of Waverly Hills, quote, The board of the tuberculosis hospital was given $25,000 to erect a hospital for the care of advanced cases of pulmonary tuberculosis, end quote. And so construction began on that. And on August 31st of 1912, all all these tuberculosis patients from the city hospital were just moved into temporary tents onto the Waverly Hills grounds, even though, you know, that newer hospital wasn't even completed yet. So... I guess they were like, oh, it's open air. This is fine. But <laughs> but it's um, like August in uh, I know. Kentucky. And then I can't believe also, that that's not the hot. The hospital wasn't even finished till December of 1912. So they're literally living out here from September. And it's October, cold November, there. For three, three-ish months outside. Oh, and so it's like not only do you have the sweltering heat, you also have like the freezing cold. So it's like maybe not the best move on their case, but... Um, That's just the beginning of errors. But so in December of 1912, these advanced case hospital patients went inside, but the hospital could only house another 40 patients. So this really wasn't that big of an increase for the patients that they were seeing because there were a lot of people who had TB. So then in 1914, a children's pavilion was added, making another 50 beds available. And the Children's Pavilion acted not only as a care place for sick children, but also for the children of tuberculosis patients who couldn't be cared for properly otherwise. So this actually meant that sick and unsick children were in the same proximity, which heightened cases and outbreak. Mm. So, again, that's like, so sad. They, they didn't really know, but I feel like they should have thought that through. Had maybe some idea. Like it's not. Yeah. I don't know. 
So, you know, the known capacity of Waverly with the old administration building, the two patient wings, the new advanced case hospital, and the children's pavilion meant that they now housed approximately 130 to 140 patients. But a report published during the 1910s mentioned that the ultimate goal was to add on a new building to Waverly each year, enabling, you know, expanded and continual growth. So there might have actually been more buildings that weren't documented or had been torn down and more beds available than the original 130 to 140. However, due to constant need for repairs because the building was made out of wood and not very durable, as as well as a constant urgency for more beds so people wouldn't be turned away because of lack of space, construction began in March of 1924 of a five-story building that could hold more than 400 patients and was one of the best locations for TB treatment at the time. This new larger building opened on October 17th, 1926, and it's the enormous Gothic structure that still stands today. That's my dad's birthday. Well, not, not the 1926. He's well, definitely yeah. not that old, but October I mean, 17th. I would hope not. <laughs> he acts like it, too. Um, he's going to listen to this and hate me. <laughs> I love you, Dad. Anyways, a key architectural element of the newly constructed Gothic sanatorium was a tunnel built into the first floor. This tunnel was a passageway to transport bodies, often corpses, and supplies in and out of the building, often without being seen. The corridor itself is 500 to 600 feet long, and it leads to the bottom of the hill with a set of stairs on one side that workers used, and on the opposite side was a cart that moved up and down the staircase and transported supplies and other necessities. Again, due to the fact that antibiotics did not exist at the time, other forms of aid were used to treat tuberculosis patients. For example, they used heat lamps, fresh air, positive talk, and reassurance. All these things you know, helped to keep patients alive longer And since the death rate of tuberculosis at the time was one death per day. I think it was even higher than that, but I think that was the general consensus. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been the kind of thing where some days they'd have multiple deaths and then the next day there might not be one, but when like you average it, it would be like one death a day. And you might be like, why are we mentioning this? But this is because at the peak of the disease, the sight of the dead being carried away in full view of the patients lowered the patient's morale. Therefore, the sanatorium tried transporting the dead bodies as secretively as possible to increase the morale and lower the death rates, using the tunnel to that end. The doctors and workers of this time also believed that this would help to lower the disease's spreading rate. Right, because this is the time period where they still don't know whether or not, like they still don't really know how the disease is transmitted. So for all they know, a dead body is just super contagious. And of course, that's really not true unless you were to come back, come in contact with like saliva or something. But well, even then um, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess because we talked about the kissing or whatever. So I'm so yeah. confused by this. Me too. <laughs> it's okay. It's CDC, okay. help us out. <laughs> yeah. At CDC. Shout us out. We'll shout you out. Help us figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So because of this, the tunnel became known as the body chute or death tunnel by the locals and the paranormal investigators that have visited the sanatorium in the years since then. An interesting fact, apart from transporting dead bodies out of the sanatorium, the tunnel also served as a temporary air raid shelter during World War II. So I imagine it's like even more haunted because of that. But Yeah, well, and I mean, did they just move all the patients in there or... 
Were they just going to like let the patients get bombed if a bomb came? I have no idea. I was just going to say, I don't think that there's any reason to bomb some random hospital in Kentucky, but I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there really isn't, but... <laughs> Nazis will be Nazis. I mean, I'm just imagining the soldiers in this tunnel and then people are just wheeling past corpses and they're just like, nope, we'll take the bombs. <laughs> That's why it was a temporary air raid shelter. They were like, nah, we're, we're good. Nah. We'll take the bombs. <laughs> <laughs> We'd rather not get tuberculosis. Yeah, well, between tuberculosis and just seeing a ton of dead bodies and yeah, that's you know, true. I don't know to what extent patients were down there, but they're probably really yeah. freaked out. <sighs> Anyways, getting back to TB. Yeah. After the introduction of streptomycin in 1943, which was the antibiotic that largely wiped out TB, the number of tuberculosis cases fell until there was really no longer a need for such a large hospital, nor the ineffective treatments we mentioned before. And so the remaining patients were actually sent to Hazelwood Sanatorium in Louisville, and Waverly Hills officially closed its doors in June of 1961. The Waverly Hills building reopened in 1962 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center, treating aged patients in various stages of dementia and having mobility limits, though it was also a home to the severely mentally handicapped. But Woodhaven failed epically because of being severely understaffed and overcrowded. There were also reports of severe patient neglect, and thus Woodhaven was closed by the state of Kentucky in 1982. And just like briefly, a few of these neglectful accusations were honestly shocking to me when I was trying to read through some of the history. People said their loved ones literally wouldn't have been checked on for weeks on end, and they'd be emaciated, covered in their own filth. Sometimes flies are like landing on their eyes and stuff, and they'd be dead. I think the fact that it was a home for the severely mentally handicapped probably played a really big role in that because Mm -hmm. that is such a common report from places that house mentally handicapped individuals. Mm -hmm. Like even for nursing homes too, though. Like yeah, I mean nursing homes have horrible conditions sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, of course, we can't really compare just a nursing home to a place that helps the mentally handicapped, but. They're both places where abuse runs wild and rampant because they can. Anyways, they were thankfully closed in 1982, which makes me feel better. (laughs) Yes. And then the next year in 1983, a developer and architect joined forces and wanted to make and wanted to make it into a maximum security prison. But this was protested by neighbors. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but I just imagine like this to me too, like all of these prisoners in there and like they end up like shaping up like crazy to get out because of all the ghosts and they're like just get me out of here <laughs> like they're like i will be the best human being ever if you let me out of here <laughs> the true prison <sighs> truly and then they decided they're gonna turn it into apartments but Which sounds that like ended an even up... worse idea i know i'm <laughs> like, like let's make it into a fair uh, a room with a creeper but um, uh, he ended nope. up selling a lot of the acreage to Jefferson County itself. So the building then fell into disrepair and was regularly vandalized and, you know, loitered at. And at one point, it was even almost condemned. And then this is like my favorite part of this whole story because it's <laughs> so... I, I don't understand <laughs> how... What? Okay. So in March of 1996, the Christ the Redeemer Foundation Incorporated bought the site to construct 
the world's tallest statue of Jesus Christ. And it was inspired by the one in Rio de Janeiro. They were going to turn the actual buildings of the sanatorium into an arts and worship center. However, the donations to the project, unsurprisingly, fell short of expectations. So it was canceled a year later. I What part of a sanatorium have no words. and, you know, abusive nursing home <laughs> makes you think, <laughs> yes, this place, I'm going to build a giant statue of Jesus. Like, we need Jesus. And you know what else is going to go along with it? An arts and worship center, because this place <laughs> needs some tambourines and some beautiful paintings of Jesus Christ to help it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can just what? imagine, like, these creepy, like, gothic walls that still have graffiti on them because they couldn't get all the graffiti six, off, six, six. you know? And then there's, like, this beautiful portrait of, like, Mary, and she's holding her baby. And then you go down, and there's more pictures like that. And then you get to, like, the altar of the church, and it looks like an altar of a church. And so then there's all these people in there, and they're just, like, going to their church service. And in the back is, like, the creeper just chilling. He's just chilling. He's down there on all fours. Or he's, like, crawling behind the pulpit, you know? <laughs> the, the, the pastor is just like, oh, this is a regular occurrence. Everyone's yeah. dead. And we it's will get a really to... really big spider. Yeah, we'll get to who the creeper is later. We, we like mentioning him a lot, but we'll get to him soon. Yeah, but, we're yeah. both fans and not fans. Yes. <laughs> at once. <laughs> so, thankfully, in 2001, Waverly Hills was purchased by people who actually wanted to preserve the property. Improvements have been made since, and restoration efforts are in constant progress. The Waverly Hills Historical Society, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, works to preserve the property as an important historical site. And the people who purchased this place, the Mattingleys, hold tours of Waverly Hills and host a haunted house attraction every year at Halloween, with all the proceeds going towards restoration of the property. And yeah, like Ara said, Waverly Hills is open to the public for a variety of tours today. Some of these tours are held at night and they focus on the telling of ghost stories because, of course, the property is thought to be extremely haunted. Ghost hunters also frequent Waverly Hills and it has been the focus of so many episodes of TV shows like Ghost Hunters or like Ghost Adventures it's kind of a staple in those like investigation ghost story shows. Yeah. And even more recently, a bunch of podcasts and, you know, oh, yeah. YouTube shows like Ryan and Shane came back for Ghost Files, which happened July 18th, I think, which is really recently. And then, you know, Haunted Road with Amy Bruni. She also did a podcast on it. I think Blood Moon Paranormal also did something. So they're very, very good at working with these people who like to come in and see the paranormal side of things, yeah. which I appreciate. I think For it's sure. Good. Yeah. And I was reading earlier today, I was reading about like a Reddit thread and it was this guy who had worked at Waverly Hills and he was just kind of going through like different creepy experiences that he had. So I definitely think that the people who worked there are all very convinced the place is haunted. So they love when these ghost oh, hunters come in. Yeah, like the people who work at haunted places know best. They do. Paranormal investigators can go in and like catch a few things on camera. But, you know, I really want to hear the stories of the bellhop who's worked at a hotel for like 20 years or the yeah. 
janitor who's worked at, you know, Waverly Hills for like five months and then up and quits because he has an experience or something. Exactly. You know, like those are <laughs> the best stories to me. <sighs> for sure. Anyways, related to all of this, Waverly Hills experienced so much death in the years it was working as a hospital, but also in the years that it was working as a nursing home. And hundreds, if not thousands of people died there. This includes two nurses, both of whom are, is it, you're not supposed to say committed suicide. What are you supposed to say? I don't know. I've never heard that. Oh, because suicide was considered a crime by the church and to commit something is to commit a crime. Oh, yeah. yeah, That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. This includes two nurses, both of whom took their own lives in the same room, room 502. As you might expect, this room is said to be haunted by one or both of these women. Yeah. I think room 502 is like one of those spots in Waverly Hills that is just very well known for Mm -hmm. people having experiences. Yeah. I would be interested to know, at least with the first nurse, like what time period was she working there? Was she there during the sanatorium days or the nursing home days? And then for the second nurse, I would be interested to know if she knew that the previous nurse had died in room 502, if it was yeah. You know, just a coincidence or if if she did it on purpose in that room. Or what if the second nurse was haunted by the first nurse? Oh yeah. One time the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society was investigating at Waverly Hills and they went into this what used to be a kitchen and the kitchen was in total disrepair as was the cafeteria. It was like windows blown out and like tables and chairs all torn up, all kinds of stuff like that. Like this place was like totally unusable. And so they're in this room and they begin to hear footsteps followed by this door slamming shut. And they're all kind of like, what was that? That's weird. And then moments later, the distinct smell of freshly baked bread filled the air. There was no explanation for this because obviously the kitchen was totally unusable. And I'm pretty sure this would have been the case for like all of the kitchens at Waverly Hills. So there's really no explanation for why they would be smelling freshly baked bread. It's, it's this very is the best haunting weird. experience I've ever heard of. I know. I want to. But I mean, also kind of disappointing because like the bread wasn't real. Like it was just a ghost, a ghosty smell. That's true. So but they didn't still, get to eat any of like, the bread. Of all the hauntings at Waverly Hills, I would appreciate that one the most. Oh, like, for sure. I like for that sure. one. <laughs> it's very, just, very chill. Just some Parisian vibes in the yeah. cafe. <laughs> yeah. So one of the ones I would not want to experience is there is no. a ghost on the property that is reportedly an elderly woman who roams the building moaning and bleeding from her chained hands and feet. She cries out for help, but when people approach her, she runs away screaming in terror. And that's just, like, absolutely horrifying. It is so scary. Like, first of all, if I saw that lady, I would just assume she was a ghost and I would run away screaming before, <laughs> like, I, she wouldn't have time to do that herself because I would not approach her. So. <laughs> See, I'm the complete opposite. Even if it was a ghost, seeing someone in that type of, like, abject state that's of true. terror and, like, suffering, like, I would immediately try true. to help. And it yeah. just makes me, it like, would- wonder what she's reliving. You know, it would probably for me, it would depend on like how good of like an apparition she was. Like if I could tell that she was a ghost, then yeah, I'd run away screaming. But if I if she looked solid, you know, like if she looked like a living person, then I would be really like, yeah, I would want to help her. I mean, I'm sure at first I would be like, is this a reenactment? Did I accidentally come during the Halloween tour or something? Yeah, exactly. But 
Yeah, I think either way I would have been like, I mean, I'd be terrified, but at the same time, I'd be like absolutely horrified and want to help her. Because the fact that she has to live through that for the entirety of her afterlife is like one of the most unfair things about echoes and apparitions and yeah that kind of is they're just kind of stuck in that position yeah they're stuck in that loop of reliving the worst moments of their life and then you know they still have to bear that through death there's no peace it's just very sad to me because like clearly whatever happened to this lady was very very traumatic yeah horrible i mean she was literally chained and bleeding and it also makes me wonder like was she a tuberculosis patient or was she a tuberculosis patient with a mental handicap? What was the reason that she's, yeah. you know, chained and bleeding and an abject terror? Was she one of the people with dementia? Yeah. And, like, she didn't actually experience that, but maybe they did buckle her down or something. And in her afterlife, yeah. that's how she manifested it. Right. I definitely, I don't know. I wonder if kind of like you said, she hadn't been chained up, but she had been restrained. Mm -hmm. But that also could just be a way that a mental state sort of manifested, right? Because all of these people, whether they were tuberculosis patients or the people that were there with the nursing home, they inevitably felt very trapped by something, right? Like they Mm -hmm. were people who were essentially forced to have to go live somewhere else because, you know, in the case of the tuberculosis patients, they literally couldn't be around the general population because the disease was so contagious. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the people who had like Alzheimer's, dementia, or some very, very severe disability, they were essentially kind of, you know, trapped by the mental state they were in. And Mm -hmm. so- I can imagine that being kind of a manifestation of like how she felt inside. Yeah. That's that's almost even worse because it's yeah. like she's trapped inside her own head and now right. inside her own afterlife. During the time of the nursing home, like you said, people were just totally neglected for days and I can totally see abusive people there restraining patients that were maybe a little hard to deal with or something and just, just leaving them restrained. Ease. Mm -hmm. for days and days and days to make their lives easier. And, you know, to some extent, too, possibly for the actual safety of the patients. But it seems like they weren't very concerned with the safety of the patients. But I I can't imagine how scary it would be to have something like Alzheimer's and like you don't know where you are, you don't know what's going on. And then on top of that, you're chained up or you're like tied up or something. Which is like so so difficult because Alzheimer and dementia patients often hurt themselves like when they're wandering or when they have a sudden fit. But at the same time, it's like, what is your other option other than, you know, either restraining their arms and legs or having like a constant vigilant watch over them, which isn't always possible. So it's really kind of a hard, hard situation to comprehend, but. Anyways, so another famous ghost of Waverly Hills is actually a little boy who's been nicknamed Timmy. He was likely around seven years old when he died from tuberculosis. It's thought that his ghost can't move on because he died so young and should have had this great life ahead of him. And he reportedly wanders around the hospital doing mischievous things and trying to have fun. I like this story so much. I mean, it's really sad that this child died, but I think he's a really fun ghost. Like, he's Mm -hmm. definitely one of the ghosts that I'm, like, totally fine with running into. He's Um, making the most of it. Yeah, he really is. A lot of people who come to visit Waverly Hills will bring him, like, little toy balls to play with. 
And a lot of people insist that they see the balls rolling along the floor, like inexplicably. And skeptics, of course, say that the floor is just uneven, while others believe that Timmy is just trying to play. But whatever the case, the balls really do move. They're, they're like videos of this happening. And yeah. It's, yeah. I think I've seen one where like someone rolls the ball down a hallway or into a room or something like that. And then it rolls back to them or something like that. I think I've seen that one too. Or maybe one where it just stops for no reason. Like something even though it should have like kept going. Yeah. Something along those lines. But yeah, it's, it's definitely neat. I would totally bring definitely stuff cool. for Timmy. Same. Although I'd be like, why are you playing with balls? Here's a drone. Have fun, Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why are people getting you toy balls? You need a drone. You want an iPhone? You want to play some Candy Crush? (laughs) (laughs) Give that child a life. (sighs) But like, he's a ghost. So if he had an iPhone, he would just drain all the energy out of it, right? Like it wouldn't work anymore because the battery would die. I guess. Think about it. Now I'm like, what would be the perfect present for Timmy? Yeah, what's a perfect gift for a ghost child? Like, what toy would they like the most? Leave us a comment. (laughs) What's the perfect (laughs) gift for a ghost child? Yeah. So that's not even the end of the paranormal hauntings. We're kind of just getting into some of the crazy ones. So tour guides are the most dependable sources for stories about Waverly Hills. They're constantly reporting things. And they often report seeing what they call doppelgangers throughout the property. Apparently, these double walkers are identical to the person they're mimicking, but with one major difference. They have black holes for eyes. And to me... Which is so creepy. This is more... Do you know black-eyed kids? Oh, yeah. It's black-eyed kids. Or black-eyed children. It's like... A combination of um, yeah. like doppelgangers and mm-hmm. black-eyed children. Yeah. Because I know doppelgangers usually have one thing that's off about them. But then the fact that black holes are their eyes, I'm like, hmm, this is like a mashup Strange. of doppelgangers yeah. and black-eyed kids. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, have you seen Coraline where they have yes. buttons for eyes? Yes. That like movie that. is scarier Ooh. than a lot of horror movies that I've seen. <laughs> it really is. It's such a good movie, though. I love that movie. It is. So now. And now. <laughs> we come to the, the VIP. We, we both feel like this ghost is very aptly named. He's just known as the Creeper. But we've kind of nicknamed him Ricardo because um, <laughs> I always give names to things that like freak me out just to make it feel less scary. And we also sometimes refer to him now as the crab ghosty man. So yes. and you'll hear why you'll you'll hear why. Ricardo, the creeper, is a dark entity that crawls along the floors and walls of Waverly Hills like he gets down on all fours and he, he kind of walks around that way. Everyone who has encountered him reports feeling this like overwhelming sense of doom. And some people think Ricardo is a demonic force of some kind. And I think I've also heard reports that it's a demonic force that's like feeding on the pain and suffering of the place. I definitely heard that. Others think that he's a human ghost that was twisted by some trauma he experienced in life. But <laughs> there's I so many think- stories about this that I know yeah. there's like common theme that either he's a demon or a ghost. And from there, there's just crazy offshoots. So yeah, yeah, he's just our little mm-hmm. crab ghosty man. Yeah. So the thing with Ricardo is that he's often seen in the creepiest place at Waverly Hills, the body shoot, 
which is, of course, that creepy long tunnel under the building that was used to transport dead bodies. And he definitely likes to, you know, crawl all up and down like the walls and the floor. And, you know, people describe him as looking like, as we have said, like a crab or like a spider kind of, because I think he's like all black, right? Like he's a black shadow. Yeah. I was reading like a tale from somebody who had been to Waverly Hills and they basically said that they were walking along and, you know, they're on like a guided tour and it's dark outside. I think they're on like a ghost tour and suddenly it just got really, really dark in the hallway. Like they literally couldn't see the rest of the tour group in front of them. And they were like, that is really strange. I've heard of this. So then when they went a little farther and we're back with the group, the tour guide is like talking about all of these different rooms that they just passed. And, you know, these people are like, wait, we didn't see any rooms. What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, we just passed like three or four different rooms. That's what I'm talking about. And they're just like, no, it was like pitch black up there. We couldn't see anything, you know? And they're kind of saying that to some extent amongst themselves, they're just really confused. And then a little while later, the tour guide starts telling them a ghost story about this entity that they call Big Black. And basically, it'll just be this pitch black area of a given room. It could be a hallway, it could be a room, it could be anywhere in the hospital. But basically, it's just this enormous shadow that like encompasses an area. And they say that like, if you walk through it, you're like walking through this entity or something like that, I guess. So basically, as soon as these people hear that story, they're like, oh, we know about that. We were just in Big Black. (laughs) Like that explains why we couldn't see any of the doors and rooms around us because we were in this like weird paranormal moment. And I was like, that gives me chills. I don't like it. It's funny you say that because I actually found like a Reddit post by someone who described something similarly. It's made by the user ShadowPerson502, which is very fitting. I think I read (laughs) stuff by him, too. I might have been from a post on there. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, apparently, he is like a regular volunteer, and he's been on tours, investigations. He's been there. He said, I'll start by saying this. It doesn't matter who you are or what your beliefs are. Things happen in that building that are just not explainable. I've seen people get possessed, and I've had someone or something attempt to take control of me as well. I've heard voices with nobody around. I've smelled cigars when nobody was smoking. I've been pushed up against a wall, seen a doppelganger, watched inanimate objects move on their own. But then he goes on to say, the most impressive thing to me is when I was doing an overnight investigation with two small groups in the building. I walked down to where the restrooms are while my significant other cousin and his wife were standing on the fourth floor along with a couple people from the other group. My significant other is a complete non-believer. She refuses to accept anything as being paranormal. When I walked back up to the fourth floor, they weren't there. I ended up finding all of them on the second floor, shaking. After I had walked downstairs, they all saw the exact same thing at the exact same time. Keep in mind, a couple of them were total strangers. They all saw a very large black shadow move towards them in the hallway, as well as a smaller shadow come crawling on the floor rapidly. (gasps) My significant other, who doesn't believe, was in tears. None of the people in that group would go back to the fourth floor. It really is something to take a total skeptic and let them see something so unexplainable for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that they had to see the creeper and Big Black. I I feel sorry for them. (laughs) Yeah. So that makes me wonder, like, uh, does everyone know these are not the same entity? That the creeper is like the smaller shadow and Big Black is like the big giant shadow? 
I, I, I guess maybe they're friends. Hmm. Oh my god, it's a mama and a baby. Oh no. That's kind of cute. It's Ricardo and Mama. Ricardo. Oh no. <laughs> and then I just looked at a couple other reports and another tour guide said, the first time I encountered the creeper, I was coming out of the doorway on the Ooh. left. While guiding a tour group, we were about to take a break on the rooftop. Everyone had just finished a walkthrough of room 502 and entered the ward you see pictured, which leads to the roof patio. And it's just um, a room that looks dilapidated. There's two doors and three windows. Um, You can't really see much. And then he says, I walked through 502 checking for stragglers. After finding no one, I started to step through the doorway. I looked down and stopped suddenly, realizing there was an object the size of a lawn trash bag right at my feet. I was so close, I almost fell over it. Next thing I know, it moved. I was in <gasps> shock as the black object scurried to no. the left of the room and just disappeared in the darkness. Nope, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's See, all like, I have to say to that. You know, I'm not entirely freaked out by it now, but I know if I was there, I'd be like, exactly. They should have made the Jesus statue. They, they should have made it. <laughs> Although, if anything, I would like to see them have made the Jesus statue and then it inexplicably just gets knocked over. (laughs) The creeper. It's like how you get proof that the creeper is demonic or not. (laughs) Oh, I just found another story. Ooh. These people went to all the different floors, right? Yeah. The first floor didn't really, nothing happened. They went down the body chute. That makes it sound like it's a slide. (laughs) It does. The, the most the haunted tunnel. slide in America. At the other end, the other group's guide told him there was someone on the third floor smoking and smashing a bottle. So we go back to the second floor atrium and two guys that match that exact description are in our group. But the people who weren't with their posse that came before were like, they were with us the whole time. So no idea who the dudes were. That was freaky. So that was probably a case of doppelgangers, I guess. That's so confused. creepy. So there was two sets of doppelgangers then. Yeah. And then on the third floor, they said that was the scariest floor. They told them about a homeless man that had been bludgeoned to death along with his dog. <gasps> and they also told them about the creeper. They walk by a girl from earlier, and she has one of the spirit boxes. Yeah. And she's talking to a spirit about the creeper. And the conversation went something like, can you show us the creeper? I did. Who is the creeper? Was he a patient? Me. Was that you who made that sound earlier? Are you playing tricks on us? Ha, 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 ha. So they sit down with the girl and listen to the spirit box. And then he looks down the hallway and sees this shadow. He got a horrible feeling when he saw it and immediately got up and moved. And then the girl looks down the hallway and is like, holy shit, do you guys see that? So all of them sat there staring at the shadow for a good minute or two. And it passes in front of the light of the doorway. Then another. So it's coming closer. And all of them are like losing their shit and then it just goes away. And the same thing apparently happened at the other end of the hallway, except it looks like something was popping its head out looking at them. Ew. And, you know, he said that one freaked him out more than the shadow did because he saw that one clear. And when they went to the fourth floor, they went to the surgical room. They used the spirit box and they asked if anyone was there and someone identified themselves as Ryan. And... They asked if they know that there's a COVID pandemic now, and they say yes. And then we ask them what year it is, and they say 20. They asked if Ryan liked it there, and the next words he said gave me chills. He said, I'm trapped. Clear as day. 
and then nothing happened on the fifth floor. So that's so sad. You know, I'd never heard the story about oh, the homeless Ryan. man and the dog. That's no. the part that gets to me. And how was he bludgeoned to death? Like, was it by a ghost or by a doppelganger or like, was it by some random person or like I what think it happened? Was a random person. Oh, yeah. So that is the haunting and disturbing and slightly pee inducing story of the <laughs> Waverly Hills Sanatorium. So, yeah, very creepy, very scary. I don't know if I want to go there, at least not at nighttime. Hmm. I think I would go if it was during the day. I went to the Penn State Penitentiary. Oh, yeah. And I would go there. Penn- Honestly, like, I didn't really get haunted vibes, but I got sad vibes. Kind of depressive. There was also a lot about the Jewish community life in the prison oh, that I hadn't heard of before. And that was kind of, I don't remember exactly. There's something sad related to it. I don't remember if it was because World War II was going on or what. But yeah, it was just something I hadn't heard before. But I think I would go here. Well, I definitely would in the daytime. But at nighttime, I don't know. I think I would want to definitely be in but a group like- of lots of people I knew. So that I could just like grab people. at night, you'd be less (laughs) likely to see shadows because it would be nighttime. Maybe. I don't know. During the day, you're definitely going to see something. Mm. Or I guess maybe not. I don't know. I don't like it. Well, now we have to bring some sort of toy for Timmy. We have to bring a bone for the dog. Bring something for Ricardo if he's not the dog. (laughs) We have to bring something for whoever we've nicknamed her as. The mother of Ricardo. Ricardo's mom. And what else? We just have to bring a lot of stuff. This is going to be more of a... We have gifts for the ghosts. We're going to be like, YouTube haul, all the things we got for the sanatorium patients. (laughs) (laughs) They're all dead. But people are going to be like, they are a disrespect to um, the entire paranormal investigative community as well as the podcast (laughs) community. And we'll be like, yeah, we are. Yeah, we know. We know. We're friends with Ricardo. So, so got one up on you. You guys can't say that. (laughs) No, you can't. Yeah. We too like to scurry along the floor. (laughs) Okay. As per usual, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we'd especially appreciate if you listen on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts that you would leave us a review. We recently got a really great review from Aaron Long, and he commented, These two really know how to do their research and do it well. They are extremely respectful of all cultures slash people and tell every story through a critical lens that feels way more appropriate. Thank you both for sharing this podcast. And I thought that was so nice. It is nice. That's literally the goal. I was so excited when I saw it. Yeah. Because even from the beginning, when we discuss any of this stuff, we try to take like a, not even like a theoretical lens to it, but just kind of be interrogative about when this took place, what were the situations that it occurred in, and really try to come at it from a respectful and also research standpoint. Yeah. So I think from the very beginning, we've done that. And it's probably the thing I'm proudest of about the podcast, just because same. I feel like we stay true to our convictions as well as have fun. So Exactly. I'm glad someone else recognized that. That made me very happy. Me too. It made me feel like we had done what we intended to do. Yeah. All right. We can go and cancel now. No more. All right. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) We hit our peak. Mm. Uh, Just kidding. um, 
yeah thank you for all your reviews we really appreciate them and we love reading them and we fangirl over each and every one so we really do coming (laughs) all right so yeah we are also on patreon and you can go and support us there and i think we say this about every episode but we have some people working on some cool things some merch which hopefully will be out at some point in the near future (laughs) some point we'll get merch at some Some point we will we will we promise Uh, all the stickers are ready i just need to other stuff we are also on anchor you can go there and leave us a little voice message we would love to hear from you please tell us what gift you would bring to timmy we would love to hear about that or if you've been to waverly hills let us know you had any creepy creepy stories with ricardo Uh, we would definitely love to hear that yeah for sure we would just love to hear from you whatever you want to share As per usual, if you wanted to connect with us on social media, we are on basically all the social media sites. We're very up and happening. I just said up and happening, so we're obviously not. Uh, (laughs) We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. On all sites except for Twitter, we're at Wicked Weird and Grim. And on Twitter, we're just at Wicked Weird Grim. And of course, you can always go to our Wix website and keep up with the podcast, keep up with what we're up to. So we'd appreciate that, too. I think that's it, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. So um, from Caroline and I, the Grimm sisters and Ricardo, (laughs) we shall wish you (laughs) a very good Wednesday. And you will hear us next Wicked Weird Wednesday with the Grimm sisters. Bye, guys. Bye. I'm going to Ricardo. We're waving at him. <laughs> He's been crawling all over the Everything, the like Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, my God. He's Spider-Man. Ricardo Aww. be cosplaying Spider-Man. Yes. Little do we know it's actually Timmy cosplaying a Spider-Man. Someone brought oh him a gosh. comic book, and he's obsessed <laughs> with it. He loves Spider-Man now. That explains so much. Who doesn't? Someone needs to bring that child the new Spider-Man movies and he'll be like, they Tom do. Holland? Oh, God. Yeah. <sighs> the stuff we get into talking to is just so weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> For the best. And it is what it is. Meh, meh, meh. I feel like meh. We're Sharpay and Ryan before they perform. <laughs> I can't. I need to try to do that now. Um, I can't do it. You can't do. I can, but like for some reason, I can't do it right now. Hmm. It there comes with rolling those R's. Yeah, it does. Terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. Colloquially, the tuberculous. Thank God, no. No, no, no. Anyways, during. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Oh, we're so. Okay. Okay. A lot of the people who. A lot of the people who have. Oh, my gosh, I can't. I keep adding words to this. Hold on. There's like a weird typo. Mike China. It's like McChina. Mc, 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 I don't even know. McDonald's, yeah. McChina. <laughs> also, one. Um, nope. Gosh. Speaking is hard. Okay. You know, they still end up being. Nope. I just messed this up. <laughs> okay. Variety of antibiotics.
and I cannot speak today. Me either. (sighs) In two stories. Eight in two stories now. This nursing home is primarily treating aged patient, treating aged, oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) What are they called? Um, What are those shaky things that make noise? Tambourines? Yeah. Yeah. The Waverly Hills Historical Society. The Waverly Hills his ghost hunters also frequently uh, visit oh my gosh wow that that was did not come out right okay it's okay you almost (laughs) saved it and then you stopped yeah i was like wait a minute i don't know if it's salvageable all right love how he's often or go ahead uh sorry i love how he we always um type him as a male like he's always male um (laughs) like which I guess is funny because he's called the creeper because it's like, of course, a straight white male has to be the creeper. The creeper, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I just think it's funny that we're like, it's a him. It's a he. It's a he. It's Ricardo. It be he. <laughs> Ricardo. We're going to go to Waverly Hills one day and be like, where's Ricardo? And everyone will be like, what? And we'll be like, what's oh, a Ricardo? We, we nicknamed the creeper Ricardo just because, you know, it seemed fitting. Yeah. <laughs> Made him seem less creepy. And then he'll actually come out and we'll be like, no, Ricardo, go back in your hole. Stay away. <laughs> He's We're going to be like, YouTube. Oh. <laughs> I almost knocked the <laughs> mic over. <laughs> and we will hear you. See nope. You I always say that wrong. We will hear it's you. We will see you. Like, uh, And you'll hear us next Wicked Weird Wren's. Wren's dad. Damn it. <laughs> Our words don't come out. Very and basically, well. we'll be here next Wednesday. So yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ara's dad, who is not actually that old. He's not old. Also, this was really weird. The other day, I was at work, and this guy came in to get a, t- a takeout order, and there was something about him that reminded me of your dad. It was really strange. Like, had he not been with a lady that was obviously not your mom, I would have been like. I would have like actually actively like been like, <gasps> what if it was my dad? What if he's cheating? <laughs> <gasps> it was definitely not your dad, but um, no, it's definitely not. My dad wouldn't cheat. Definitely not. He would never. <laughs> but uh, it was really strange. <laughs> like it was one of those things that was like very, I don't know. It was just weird. Oh my god! Did he have black it was just eyes? A weird moment. Was it his doppelganger? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. He also didn't leave me a tip. So oh god. Um, he was offensive version of your dad. <laughs> I'm sorry. My dad always it's leaves okay. a good tip. Your dad would not do that to me. 